I'll read from the New King James Version, and then I'll read, and I'll let you know when I'll read from the Amplified, maybe a couple of scriptures from the Amplified. Just a carpenter. Now, this is not your typical Christmas sermon, uh, but nevertheless, it's about the one that was born in, in, in Bethlehem. And, uh, of course, his hometown was Nazareth, and he lived there and was a carpenter throughout his years with his dad. And uh, we have this title, Just a Carpenter. And I want you to know this morning, this is certainly no negative reflection on carpentry or hard work. We have several verses of scripture that we would like to read. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. Out from there, he left Capernaum and went to Nazareth, his own place, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended the living says there that they became angry, so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Verse 5. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your words. Speak not only this to our ears, but to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Someone said, you can't go home again. I was born in Sampson County, the largest county in the state of North Carolina. We were raised on a farm. Clinton was the county seat of Sampson County, and that was our hometown. Back then, we called it Clinton. You come 100 miles or 95 miles away, and you change your speech to Clinton. And uh, we had a family that lived down there. Their name was Gautiers, and they came up here, and their names was Gautier. I don't know how it is when you change just a few miles and you change your speech. But I was raised in Clinton, and about 19, we moved here and uh, became pastor in 1969 of this church. In 1975, I went back to Clinton, rented out the National Guard Armory, and I was going to hold a city-wide revival. Going back to my hometown, my home county, I thought to myself it would be better 
good if I went to the pastors in the city and I talked to them and got them on board, let them know, hey, I'm not here to start a church. I'm just here to have a revival, see people saved, and see the power of God manifested in the community. Well, I got not one pastor there to support me. As they said, you can't go home again. I imagine, well, in the meantime, we still had revival and we had hundreds of people to come. And I think in that revival, Sister Carol, there were over 50 people that accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But in some ways, I felt like Jesus. He goes back to Nazareth. And they looked at him differently than what they had been looking at him. No doubt they'd heard about the miracles and about the messages, about the great uh, teachings of Jesus Christ, but they could not grasp that other hometown boy. Notice, if you will, the introduction to the sermon. This is now the second time he returns to Nazareth. And in the meantime... He had been doing what Isaiah had prophesied. Notice, he had been preaching the gospel to the poor, healing the brokenhearted. He had been preaching the deliverance to the captives and had held the blind, or he rather healed the blind and all manner of sicknesses. And he had even raised, right before this is recorded, Jairus' daughter from the dead, about 20 miles away. So they didn't have telephone, of course, and things for the uh, news to travel, but they heard of it. It traveled by people traveling and by mouth, and they had heard of the things that had happened to him, and so they marveled. Is this the, the man that came from Nazareth that was a carpenter here? First of all, they thought they knew him. They thought they knew him. They knew a few facts about him uh, they had heard about his success but they couldn't believe it they could not understand it but they only had a head knowledge of Jesus Christ and that's about the only knowledge that a lot of people have is a head knowledge and I'm here to tell you if you just have a head knowledge of Jesus Christ it won't change your life we may look at him as, hey, he's just another man. He's just another prophet. A lot of people do. Millions of people do. But the thing about Jesus Christ, he was not just another prophet. He was actually the son of God. He was actually not just the son of man, but he was the son of God. They, my friend, were closed to the very sovereignty and deity of God. Now, when we sung today, guess what? Jesus Christ was standing right next to us in the Spirit as we sung. And I think that's something we should think about as we begin to worship God, as we come to church. But it's not just in church, it's when we're home or riding down the highway in the automobile. Jesus Christ is ever present with us, He is ever present with us. I'll make a statement here in number three. I want you to notice what we say. The claims of Jesus are so radical and the consequences of not believing are so great that you would be wise to examine all the evidence personally before forming an opinion. 
If I mention the Apostle Paul, most of you know who I'm talking about because of the Word of God. Paul had a wrong opinion of Jesus Christ. He had heard lies about Jesus. In fact, he was so against this man until after Jesus was crucified, he set out to stop the message of this man, which was, and they could not buy that, they could not understand that, that he was the Son of God. If anything stirred the religious leaders of the day of Jesus, it was that he claimed to be the Son of God. And that was the reason that the Apostle Paul persecuted the Christians. Not that they were bad people, but because of the message that they carried. And people might not like you because of the message that you carry. They don't necessarily dislike you because of your character, the way you live. But they dislike the Christian because of the message that the Christian has, that we serve a Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. Familiarity breeds contempt. Let me say it again. It breeds contempt. I trust today as we approach the service that we'll approach the service with expectation, not expecting something to come, but expecting God to do something in this service. You could say, well, it's rainy on the outside and dreary. Not going to be a whole lot going on. Brother Don's preaching. He's preached there for years. It's just normal. We'll sing the songs and it's just normal. It's predictable what's going to happen. If you come that way, you can predict it. But if you come with expectation, if you come expecting God to move, then God's going to show up. We must come with faith in God. But they knew him with their head knowledge. Let me ask you today, how well do you know him? Is it because you were taught about Jesus in Sunday school? It's because that you just know about Jesus. Is it a man or a religion that the preacher talks about and preaches about? Or have you actually accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And not only do you have a head knowledge that he is the Christ, but you have a heart knowledge that you know him as your Savior. They thought they knew him, and a lot of people today think they know him. And there will be thousands and thousands of people that will go to church today and think they are worshiping him because they sing songs. It's what they do. They have lights and all the things, the church and the pews and the whole nine yards. The offering is taken up and all the normal things. And so therefore, if we're not careful, we get into a rut of unex not expecting God to do anything. But I believe that God wants to do a wonderful thing in this place today. They could not explain him, so they rejected him. And a lot of people can't explain him, and so they simply reject him. Notice, second of all, the results of their unbelief. The Bible says that he could not, in fact, would not do his mighty miracles because of their unbelief. God 
is everywhere, but God's presence will manifest at greater degrees contingent on the atmosphere or environment that we create. I know that's a long sentence, maybe a lot of words there. But it's important that you and I create an environment of expectation. And the reason that Christ could heal no one, because they came to him in unbelief. In fact, I believe that unbelief kept them from even coming to him. And so he could heal no one. Very few people, very little was done. And the reason very little is done in our churches today, in our own lives today, if we're not careful, is because we come to him with unbelief, doubt in our hearts, not believing that he's going to save our sons and our daughters. He's going to move in our lives and heal our bodies. He could do no mighty works there. Did he have the power? Was he able? Yes. It was not because Jesus was not able. It was simply because of their attitude. It was simply because of their unbelief. They could not believe that this homeboy had the power and especially believe that he was the son of God, especially believe that he was deity, especially believe that he was sovereign. Their unbelief kept them from coming to Jesus in faith. Did we come in today in faith? I hope you did, and I believe you did. I believe many of you came today in faith, and I believe that we're coming today with expectation and believe in God. They had Jesus in their synagogue. They had Jesus in their hometown. They had previously run him out of Nazareth, but he comes back again. By the way, he never came back after this time to his hometown. If we don't receive, if we don't come to him in faith, if we don't accept him now, we may never get another chance. Brother Donnie, you're trying to frighten us? No. But can you imagine, can you just imagine what could have happened in that town if they had accepted him as a savior? the people that it could have been healed, the lives that it could have been changed, the families that could have been blessed. Can you imagine what would happen in this church? Can you imagine what would happen with Durham, North Carolina, if we would accept him and the community would accept him for who he is? I mean, we, we, we just cut ourselves short. We shortchange ourselves when we don't accept Jesus Christ Certainly for who he is. The lame could have been leaping and jumping with joy. The blind certainly could have been seeing. And those who were possessed of evil spirits could have been set free. And I believe when we come to Jesus in faith and accept him for who he is, and we come with expectation, have faith in him, our sons and daughters will be blessed. Our community will be blessed. People will be delivered from drugs and alcohol. But we must exercise faith. Amen? It will happen. And I believe it's going to happen. Brother Don, you believe revival is going to take place? Yes. Yes. 
it, it can happen in us today. I'm not saying it's going to take place and sweep the United States like it has, and I hope it does. But you can have revival in your own life. You can have revival, we can, in this church if we'll just move in that direction. They could have had joy and peace. The people that struggle and try to drown their sorrow with alcohol, can you imagine what they can have if they just turn to Jesus Christ? And we're trying to get them to do that. Listen, Jesus will change your life. He will deliver you from your oppression and depression. He will make you rejoice. Not just be happy because of a season. Not just be happy because of a gift. But Jesus Christ will literally change your life. I love the writings of Josh McDowell. Dr. Josh McDowell. Uh, Evidence that demands a verdict. Sold millions and millions of copies. He also wrote another book, More Than a Carpenter. That book, my friend, is in the hands of close to 27 million people. That book has been translated into a lot of different languages, and it is in over 150 countries. More than a carpenter. He focuses upon the person of Jesus Christ. You see, he sat out as a very intelligent person trying to figure out all this stuff about Jesus. He didn't believe in him. I don't know whether he was an atheist or not, but he certainly was an agnostic and did not believe it. He set out to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ and prove it was a hoax. But something got a hold of Josh McDowell's life. Something got a hold of him. And in his writings and in his study, he learned firsthand that Jesus was the Christ. And he figured it out with his mind, but God did something to his heart. That the resurrection did take place. That it was a reality. So if you ask yourself the title of this message, just or say just a carpenter, then you can repeat after me and say, he's more than a carpenter. He's a great I am. He's a king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is God Almighty, the Son of God. Would you praise God and know who Jesus Christ is? The religious leaders of Jesus' day were upset with him because his disciples were plucking corn or wheat or some kind of vegetable on Sunday. They talked about the temple, how great it was, and how that it was being desecrated. And Jesus says to them, uh, let me find the scripture. He said that he was greater. <laughs> and they wanted to stone him and kill him for this. He was greater than the temple. 
Jesus is greater than the temple. Listen to Matthew reading in chapter 12. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with the, this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. A greater than the temple a greater than Jonah. But listen at verse 42 of chapter 12. The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. Oh, we got to understand who he is. Can you imagine who they, what they thought of when he said those words? A greater than Solomon? He was born in a castle. You were born in a stable. He was a great man and great king. And here you are, peasant. And you're saying you're greater than Solomon? How many of you know he is? How many of you know that Jesus Christ is greater than all of these? And what we need to understand is practice, understanding, thoughtfully understanding who. Jesus Christ is. You are of God, little children, First John says, and have overcome them because he who is in you, say that word, is greater than he who is in the world. Not only is Jesus Christ greater than the temple, not only is he greater than Solomon, not only is he greater than Jonah, he lives in us and makes us victorious because the great one, is on the inside. Amen? Amen. He is. He lives in us. And he changes our lives. And he does some wonderful things in our hearts and in our heart lives. As I said earlier, and I really believe this today, these people, these hometown people, set the environment and the atmosphere for their synagogue, for their worship, or whatever. And Jesus could not do his mighty works because of that atmosphere of unbelief. God challenges us today to create an atmosphere of faith. Let me read some things for you. Our time of praise and worship creates an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move. Amen? Our times of worship prepares our hearts to receive from God. Expectation, faith in God creates that kind of, kind of atmosphere. And God changes things in our lives. I want us to sing that song. Did we get that song ready? Okay, I'm going to ask you to come if you will. Christy. God is moved by faith. God is moved by faith. Let me ask you something this morning. Are you like the hometown people? Are you so familiar with church and singing and and all the things that go, in, go on, or can we have faith that God is going to manifest himself in a mighty and powerful way? When I believe that, 
when I accept that, when we walk in faith as a church, I believe that the blind, blinded eyes need to be opened. Amen. I believe that sons and daughters need to be delivered from all kinds of bondages. Amen. And it will happen when the church begins to exercise the faith in God that will change lives. But it's up to the church. It's not up to the world out there. It's up to you and I.